Welcome to the Outward OPC podcast. Outward OPC is a work of the Committee on Home Missions, and it exists to encourage zeal for reaching the lost and to be a tool for the OPC and other Reformed churches to be more effective in reaching people outside the church. You can check out the website at outwardopc.com for articles, videos, and tools to help you and your church be more outward in your ministry. Now on with today's episode. Brad Herzog here for Outward OPC. Today I have Jay Bennett with me. Jay is the pastor of Neon Reformed Presbyterian Church, an OPC church in Neon, Kentucky. So I've got a picture there. We've got a picture of this, a little bit of this campus ministry. I remember talking to you a couple years ago. I think we were at a church planner conference or something. And I know you had something going outside that campus ministry as well. I think it might have been a Bible study or something. What, what else have you done in terms yeah. of kind of reaching out to the area and seeing people from the region? You've, you've kind of set that line of demarcation that when people started coming from the region, that was a real turning point from the church. What else have you done That's right. to, bring, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. to expose people and bring them in uh, in that way? Absolutely. So, you know, after the Alice Lloyd College uh, ministry kind of opened up, uh, which is where Richard was, you know, initially, um, which is about 30 minutes down the road. From, I can get in there about 30 minutes. That really, so students are coming to that college from all over the region, mostly from the from Appalachia. And so we had a young man join the church. He's from Hazard. And so I'll go over there sometimes. We had a little Bible study going on over there for a while because a couple of those students were from that area. And they would invite friends occasionally to come to that study and this sort of thing. Uh, that's not happening anymore. Um, but you know, Bible studies have shelf lives typically, uh, those kinds of studies, you know, small group studies, Corey and Andy, who had been at Alice Lloyd ended up in Pikeville, which is really the, I'd say the economic hub of Eastern Kentucky, pretty good size, prog- uh, economically progressive city, uh, big, big college on in the town, university of Pikeville, as well as a, a big medical center, uh, that kind of fuels, fuels their economy. We had, uh, so Corey and Andy were over there at University of Pikeville finishing out their bachelor's degrees. And so we also had a couple other students that were over that way that had been a part of the Alice Lloyd work. And so we said, well, why don't we start a small group study over there on the campus? And and we did that and kept that going for a while. We still have uh, really the Pikeville study going, but since COVID, it's morphed into Zoom study. Something really weird happened. You know, we we were meeting in Pikeville and uh, we had about three or four that would always be there. And occasionally there were a few others that would join us. And, and I'd say maybe half of us were church members already and half, half of them were visitors with no church home. And we were hoping eventually maybe, you know, they would, they would uh, join the work. Since the study was put on zoom, we actually ended up with far more people joining in on the, on the study because they didn't, you know, they, they couldn't drive to Pikeville for the study, but they were willing to pull it up in their room, you know, at home and do it from far away as Louisa, which is two hours up the road, you know? Um, And these are other students that we had originally got to know over at Alice Lloyd. Just a matter of following, following the people that you already know wherever they're going in the region and saying, hey, what do you think about meeting, you know, for a small group study on such and such a date? And then, um, you know, it, uh, over time, other people, you know, will see it and join us. And this sort of thing is is the, the idea. But uh, as far as those other outreach studies go, I'm trying to think here. We've received maybe three other students from those groups. So the very the bulk 
came from the Alice Lloyd group. That was 13 or so, or, or that was 13. Exactly. Actually, I've got the number. Um, and then the, the, we've received three others uh, from the out, the further outreach from that, you know, uh, who came into the work um, along the way. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. So I, I've got, mm-hmm. uh, I'm getting a little picture in my mind. Um, you've kind of described yourself as sort of, you know, humbly kind of stumbling through life, not a big program, you know, just no. kind of following where things lead. And, and I get that. And I certainly appreciate that. I'm also getting a picture that maybe you're not saying that it seems like you're investing quite a bit of time. You, you talked about being on campus three times a week for six years. There's a 30 minute drive mm-hmm. each way. You're going after yeah. evening worship. Uh, you're driving an hour over here to this spot. You know, I'm, I'm seeing some time invested, like a significant amount of mm-hmm. time. I'm hearing some patience that, you know, you're not just doing these things. And if, if in three or four or five months, you know, nothing's, you know, materialized, uh, you're not wrapping it up. You're just kind of going where the, if the people are interested, you're doing it and you're just going to see what God does with it. Um, I'm assuming there's probably in this picture, there's probably some other things you're not telling me about, you know, kind of hospitality and lunches out or people at your house and that type of thing. Here, here's my question. The reason oh, yeah. tons, of, tons of lunches out, tons of, tons of, uh, tons of having folks up after worship or after uh, morning worship, you know, having, especially the students. In fact, we've, for the last two years, we've kind of had a um, open door policy, you know, in our home. Actually, it, it got a little bit, it was a little bit too much for my wife at one point. <laughs> so, yeah, because I, I, we're opposites. Like I, I feed off people and engagement and this sort of thing. And, and she needs her space sometimes, you know, and so we've had to compromise. And now we're every other week, we're open, open house, you know, open manse as it were. Um, so with the students, which is great, but sorry, well, go ahead. I, no, I that's fine. No, that's, that's <laughs> a helpful addition. Uh, the reason I'm, I'm kind of painting that picture as a listener and as other listeners is, is to ask this, while you may not be a program guy, while you may not be a, you know, a wizard for this and that, it does seem like you've committed time, you've committed patience, you do have some intentionality. You walk into a big group and you say, hey, I'm just going to ask if I can show up here. I'm not going to worry about whether I can teach or not. I'm just going to do it. How have you, uh, you're, you're a pastor in a rural church, it's a small church, you're trying to do shepherding, you're trying to do preaching, seems like a pretty big time investment. How have you and your session sort of thought about that and worked that out so that you have the opportunity to make these drives and to be on campus three times a week. I mean, a lot of people would say, even in the reform world, a lot of people might say, hey, a college ministry is great, but you know, you're a young church, you need some tithers, you need some, you need to get, you know, self-sustaining. How do you all balance all of that so that you can still be a pastor of a reformed church, but put, put this much time into outreach, not knowing how long it might take to see fruit? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what the answer is to that. Uh, first off, with regard to just the time investment, um, our our ruling elder on the ground, Seth Long, who's a far wiser man than I'll ever be, <laughs> be um, has said to me he, uh, through that six year period, you know, it's kind of since the COVID thing, it's all kind of, I mean, it's just not, we're not doing it anymore. I mean, because everything kind of shut down, but um, through that six, six year period with, with so, I mean, I was going so much, uh, and doing so much preaching three times on Sunday, partly because, you know, every Sunday, I mean, no, no Sundays. All, I mean, there, there, there were most years I, I, I was not taking 
four Sundays off. I might get my four weeks vacation, but it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't equate to four Sundays. <laughs> so maybe two Sundays or three, but, um, he came to me, he's come to me a couple times along the way and said, you know, you're going to have to be careful. You know, you're, you're burning the candle at both ends, you know, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't want you to get overworked and, <laughs> and burn out and this sort of thing. So that, that was always there. And I, you know, I, I kept that in mind and also not only that, but just, uh, you know, b- being able to make sure I still have time for family, for my wife and my children, you know, um, uh, so that it's all, that's always a struggle. Every minister that I'm aware of that or that I've ever talked to, they're all, one of the biggest struggles of ministry is ma- time management. You know, it's, it's not a, it's not an eight to five kind of job where you go in, punch the clock and you leave and you're done. You know, they're, it's just a different, a different sort of thing, but, but, but it's also, there's also great blessings that come with that kind of, you know, that kind of schedule, um, that, that don't come with the eight to five kind of schedule. So I, I, I never at any point felt like I was getting burned out. Uh, and, and maybe uh, there were a few moments where after not having a vacation for about eight, eight months or so, I was like, okay, well, I, I could start telling that my, my Sunday engagement was, was becoming a bit, a bit more difficult for me, you know, and, 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 um, it, it is something you have to watch out for. Now, the, as far as the, the, um, we need some tithing families <laughs> comment. Now that, that's certainly is something that came up in session meetings a couple of times is, Hey, it's wonderful. We love it. I mean, there, there's no, no session member that wasn't thrilled that we had these college students joining the church, but, but these are poor people. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, they're still in college. Uh, they're working, you know, little part-time jobs, this and that. And uh, the, the comment, you know, the, the idea, well, we need some tithing families. It, it was never a matter of, uh, Jay, you need to stop what you're doing with the college folks and go try to find some family. It was nothing like that. It was just, uh, wouldn't it be nice if the Lord would bring us some, <laughs> some tithing families? And actually, the Lord did. Uh, he has. Uh, he's done that for us over the course of the last 12 years, um, in key moments, actually, we, you know, we, when I first got here, we, we had several disciplinary cases that came up. You know, it's interesting. You, I, I think, I think almost without fail, because when I came in, it was more of a revitalization kind of feel because they've been without a minister for two years, not because of what John left them with. John, John was a wonderful man and, and done a ton of great work here, but they've been without a minister for two years. It's hard to find somebody that's willing to come to Neon. And uh, so when I came in, I knew that they were there. There was it was had a revive, you know, revitalizing kind of feel to it. Um, I've talked with other men that have entered revitalization type situations, and almost nine. I mean, like nine times out of ten, they end up with disciplinary issues on the front end that seem to almost bring the church to the verge of completely dissolving. And then if they get through those working through them faithfully, then the Lord begins to bless the work. So, so it's like the, the, you get in with a revival, you know, revitalization. If you come in thinking, oh, everything's just going to trend upward, uh, usually it's just the opposite. It's going to trend down really quickly and, and scare you to death. I mean, we lost key, key tithers through disciplinary issues. Uh, there was a month where we only had $2,000 in the bank, and my paycheck was a little more than that. So I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, how am I going to get paid? And and then all of a sudden, the Lord just turned it around and it started trending upward. And it hasn't stopped trending upward since. I mean, I think since COVID, we've kind of plateaued a bit. We've been maybe a year without receiving 
a new member, which is the first year since I've been here. We've not received a new member. So that, that concerns me a little bit, but, but it's been an, a weird year, you know? Um, uh, so we had, had some of those issues to go through and, and, and the, but the Lord, like I said, the Lord brought us out of that tailspin and, and brought new tithers into the church, good, solid families that are, that are godly families. And, and he, that he's, you know, blessed with a lot of temporal, uh, you know, temporal gifts. And, and, um, so that, that made up for it. And, you know, the, the, the men understood too, as these college students are coming in, look, okay, they've got to start somewhere. And if these group, if these college students come in and they end up getting married and they have their own families, they stay in the area, you know, there you go. Uh, I mean, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be in a position to be able to, to contribute, you know, financially along the way as well, uh, at least in, in some, in time. So, and it seems like but, that's maybe one of those common occurrences that we see with how God works. You guys continue to faithfully invest in these college students, and God brings you families from over here who can help you out financially, not because you were faithful to them, but because you were faithful with God, with what God gave you, and then he brought the other yeah, side. You know, it's, it's, it's that intentionality yeah. with what's in front of you that then you see yeah. the answer to prayer over here, just so that we don't get confused and think it's our great plan and our great, you know, exactly. So the, the first, uh, when I first came into, to the church, I was invited to come to the church planning conference. I think it might've been the second to the last conference that Ross Graham did. And the one thing Ross said, Ross said a lot of stuff during that conference, but the one thing he said that said that stuck with me, he said, uh, be faithful to reach out and evangelize, even if you never see fruit from the evangelizing or from the outreach, even if you never see fruit from it, be faithful to do it because God will bless the church in other ways, despite the fact that you're not seeing fruit from it. <laughs> and it was exactly what you just described. And that stuck with me. I was like, yeah, that's right. We, it's not, you know, I shouldn't think to myself, well, if I'm not seeing fruit from that, then maybe I shouldn't do it. Like tell people about Jesus, right? <laughs> no, I need to just tell people about Jesus and then trust that God's going to bless the work, however he sees fit. And, and that, that's really what he's done. Yeah, that's helpful. Thanks. Um, you mentioned in there um, when John Belden had left, they were without a minister, and, you know, tough to get people to come to Neon. But you and your wife decided to come to Neon. You brought your family and kids with you. I wonder, you know, some people are wired for city life. Some people are wired for rural life. We all kind of have a an inherent tie to places that we grew up and, and, and areas that, that are like that. I wonder, you know, what was your interest and willingness to come to Neon and how are you suited and how are you and your wife and your family even suited for being in a unique area that not a lot of men are jumping to, to come to? Yeah, that, that's a big question, but, um, yeah. So, uh, just as far as, uh, my own background, I, I'm a country boy. I grew up in the country, uh, in rural Georgia, uh, surrounded by peanut fields and cotton fields and corn fields and soybean fields. That, that was my upbringing. You know, I, I would come home from ride the bus home from school every day, like every other kid in the area, you know, and um, go grab my pellet gun and go out and hunt squirrels until dark until mama called for supper. You know, that, that, that was my life growing up. You know, I, 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 I didn't, I was not a city person at all. If we had to go to the grocery store, we were driving 10 minutes to get the grocery store. If we were going to go do some real shopping, we had to go at least 45 minutes out of town to do shopping, you know, anything like that. 
So this area felt like coming home to me for the first time since I had left home for college. I left home and went to Atlanta for college and met my wife there, my beautiful wife. And we were married. And then three weeks, three weeks later, left Atlanta for Dallas, Texas, which is still, you know, major city to go to seminary. I followed the typical OPC track. I went to Dallas Theological <laughs> Seminary, uh, which I will never, never speak a, an ill word against yeah. Dallas. I, I love the school. I think they I, I, I'm thankful for what I got. I got while I was there. Um, and, and then um, after that. I uh, served as an intern for a year at a big kind of flagship PCA church in, in the most wealthy part of, uh, of uh, Dallas. It was just a total, it was a completely other world to me. I, I felt like I was in the land of Oz, you know, like Dorothy just landed in Oz or something. And then from there was called to a big, you know, wealthy Everything was great on the outside. PCA Church in uh, in Missouri in St. Louis. Uh, I'm very thankful for all of that. Uh, the Lord, the Lord used all that in my life, and so I, I left that work. And it, it wasn't it wasn't a good situation at all. And, and it was I'm, and it wasn't their fault. It wasn't just it wasn't just their fault. It wasn't just my fault. Um, there there were a lot of th- things that were happening, uh, not only at the local level, but at the Presbytery level. And uh, I don't want to get into all the details of that, but, but, uh, I was asked to resign, uh, from, from that pastoral call. And that just shocked me and threw, threw me and my family into a tailspin. And we ended up back in Atlanta. That, that experience just left within me the realization that, and I want to say this carefully, no matter what something might look like on the outside, you have to dig deeper in order to really come to a conclusion as to whether you fit there or not, right? Whether you're a good fit and this is what God would have for you. And so I was completely over the whole idea of let me find a big church with where, where I can be really secure, <laughs> you know, because, because there's plenty of money and, um, and plenty of opportunity because it's in a great location and, and, you know, cause all of those things were in place. It's seemingly, um, in, in the first call I took and, and then I got there and, and it, it was just a disaster. Um, um, not only for me personally, but also for the church I was trying to serve, you know, uh, uh, cause I just was not the right man and, 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 um, for them and, and, um, and anyway, um, and, and those are dear people. They're godly people. And I love I love them. I love them. Uh, and, and I'm thankful that they're a part of the kingdom and, and doing the work they're doing. Um, so I have nothing bad to say about about that that church. But but it left and it left that indelible imprint upon me of, uh, you know, from now on, when it comes to thinking about a call, I, all I'm concerned about is it is the group. I can't be concerned about the budget. I can't be concerned about the facility. I can't be concerned about the location. I need to be concerned about the group that's there and particularly the session that's there that I'm going to be serving on. Are they of the same mind? You know, are they committed, um, uh, you know, philosophically uh, committed to the same ideas about how church should be done? You know, those kinds of ideas, the things. And, um, that needs to be my main focus and, and, and everything else needs to be 
completely secondary, maybe even off the table when it comes to making a decision as to whether God's calling me there or not. And so that had me in a perfect position to take a call to neon (laughs) because neon, neon has nothing as far as location goes, as far as facility, even though there's a great facility here, it's still, I mean, and, uh, and as far as budget went, they have been in the, in the red, uh, you know, every year from, from their inception. And and they continued that way until like two years ago, we had our first black year two, two years ago. And, and, um, it looks like we're going to be there again this year. So, so those two, those two things, my own background as a country boy, my previous experience, uh, at my first call, led me to, I think, be very, very open to a call to neon. And I'm absolutely convinced that this is where God wants me to be. And I have had no inkling. I mean, I've had men call me and say, would you consider putting your resume in over here or thinking about this call over here and this sort of thing? And, and I'm, I know I'm, this is where God wants me right now. I know it. I I know it in my bones and there's um, my, now my wife, on the other hand, and my children, my wife and my children have all grown up in the city. They're all city people. (laughs) And uh, so we're very different in that respect. And um, it it took me about a year to convince my wife that it would be okay to come to Neon. She grew up in Atlanta and you you just drive 10 minutes down the road. You're wherever you, you, any kind of shopping you want, whatever. And it's just not that way here. So it's a different sort of lifestyle and it's far from home, you know, so That uh, so your your time at Neon and and sort of the way the Lord prepared you for that and brought you there. I'm curious, just kind of overarching general question: What have you personally, as a pastor, what have you what do you feel like you've learned about God and about Christ building His church and about what the gospel does? Just as you've you know been used by Him, but also just kind of watched all this take place. I mean, even the background you just gave is is a is a unique trek to get you to neon Kentucky. What have you just learned in your own walk with God about what he's doing and how Christ is building his church and what the gospel does? Uh, oh my. Um, that, that question's I think too big to answer. Okay. Um, I've grown, I've just, I mean, I personally, I've grown in so many ways, but I, I, if I had to kind of congeal it down to maybe one, one, we'll distill it down. Um, since distilling is such a huge part yeah. of Kentucky, <laughs> let's distill it now. Um, if I had to do that, uh, I'd say that, that really when I first started off in the ministry, I thought that I, I was well prepared. It's going to sound really arrogant, but I thought I was well prepared and really didn't, didn't need to, to grow a ton more theologically or philosophically about doing ministry. And, um, and that was a huge liability. I think here at Neon, and I, I entered a pressure cooker. Uh, my first call, it really was kind of a pressure cooker. They, the church had just gone through a church split. And, uh, and, and so it, it, there was a lot of pressure. And um, I, I really didn't have time to kind of get a feel for ministry. And there, I don't care how many classes you take in seminary. I don't care how many internships you do until you are an ordained minister doing the work you, you 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 there's no way to replicate that experience and um i i was only at that first church 2 years i didn't have time to get my feet on the ground and, and even think about well what does this mean you know and how how do i do you know um being here at neon has given me time to do that i think um 
as someone young in ordained ministry, just new to your ordained ministry, you know, you, you, you need, you need a good four or five years just to kind of figure it out. Like just all of it, you know, you know, yeah. you know? uh, and if you don't get that, if you're under a pressure cooker and you're thinking, well, I've got to make this work right now and get it all, you know, it's just not, not going to happen. And I, I mean, I still don't feel like I figured it all out, but, but, but I feel like at least I've got my feet under my, under me now, you know, I, yeah, that's helpful. And and part, part of that too is, is just having a good godly session to be there and support you no matter what. And even when you mess up to tell you, you know, kindly you messed up, but we love you and we're going to fix it and it's going to be okay. (laughs) You know, you uh, you need those sorts of things. And, and, uh, and, and, and just to be faithful, I mean, I never was under the impression, even coming out of seminary where they taught us these things that you could just implement a program and everything was going to be okay. I just, I just never been wired that way. That's never been my experience as a believer in the church. So why, 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 why would I think that that would be someone else's experience? You know, I, I don't know. I just, so I, so I've always been kind of wired to just say, well, let me just be faithful to do what God's called me to do and, and to, to, to minister the word of God, to, to, to minister the sacraments, to pray, you know, to reach out with the good news of Jesus Christ and, and let the chips fall where they may, you know, just try to love people and let the chips fall where they may. And, and, um, and listen, early on in ministry, I, I would have been very, if someone sat down to ca- for counseling with me, I would have the answer for them before they could get the question out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's one of my struggles. But I've learned that that it it takes a lot of listening in order to to really minister effectively, and it's not always having the right answer. You know, just because you have the right answer doesn't mean that that you're really helping someone. You know. Yeah. Anyway, that's good. I, I'm still learning. No, I don't know. I don't. Know. <laughs> so Jay, thanks for your time today. It's good to hear more about. Uh, the Church in Neon. I know people in the OPC have been praying for the Church in Neon and have followed the story for quite a, a lengthy bit of time. So we're grateful for you taking the time and hearing a little bit more about the work. And I think it'll help people uh, know more and pray more. So thanks for your time. It's my pleasure, brother. That's it for today's episode. You can go to the website at outwardopc.com to check out more resources. And you can sign up for our email list where you will receive notifications when new things are available. Until then, we'll see you next episode.